0: (laughs) Uh
1: uh I now pronounce you devil and devilish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when we think of Tasmanian animals, the first thing that often comes to mind, in no small thanks to the legendary Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes, is the Tasmanian devil. But up until about a century ago, there was something called the Tasmanian tiger It's not a tiger at all. It's a striped carnivorous marsupial about the size of a coyote. It was an apex predator. It was considered a costly pest, especially since it was blamed for attacks on livestock, it turns out, uh, in an unwarranted fashion. In fact, many, many millennia ago, they existed in a lot of places, but they ended up only being in Tasmania. And then it was basically hunted out of existence. The last living one, I believe, in captivity, who had a great name. Benjamin, died from exposure in 1936 at the zoo at a zoo in Hobart in Tasmania. Well, now scientists are working to resurrect the Tasmanian tiger. How will they do it? Let's find out. Joining me now is Andrew Pask. He's a professor of biosciences at the University of Melbourne and the head of its Tylosin Integrated Genetic Restoration Research Lab and is leading this initiative. Thanks so much for your time. I hope I pronounced the correct name of the, of the uh, tiger correctly, Tyleson. Yeah, you did. Oh, great. Okay. So why this animal in particular? Just a bit about its history and why it was fascinating uh, as a place to start with this.
1: Yeah, well, you did a great job of talking about the history of the Tassie tiger, but it was this, this really tragic tale of this human-driven extinction where we have hunted this animal, completely wiped it out, persecuted for killing sheep, but actually wasn't eating sheep at all. It turned out it was the farmer's we were stealing each other's sheep and blaming it on the Tasmanian tiger. <clears throat> so they just completely obliterated this really incredibly unique animal. And it actually was essential for helping stabilize the entire ecosystem in Tasmania. <clears throat> so you played that clip at the beginning with the Tasmanian devil. Tasmanian devils actually almost went extinct uh, in the last decade because they got this terrible facial tumor disease. And that's because these animals get infected with this virus and they persist in the population and they spread it very rapidly throughout those animals. But when you have an apex predator like the Tasmanian tiger around, they actually pick up and eat those sick animals and they prevent them from spreading the disease so quickly. So if we had our Tasmanian tiger, we potentially would have prevented the Tasmanian devil from nearly going extinct in the wild. So these animals are really, really important to return back if we have the technology to do so.
0: And therein lies the, 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 the wonder of this story is that you are, in fact, looking at resurrecting um, the Tasmanian tiger, gone since 1936. How can that be done?
1: Yeah, so this was something that was still in the realms of science fiction, you know, even a decade ago. But it has really been in the last 10 years that we've come so far in our ability to sequence DNA, particularly from old museum specimens, and then also edit DNA. And they're the two critical things that you really need to be able to do to think about trying to bring a species like this back. Where
0: do you start? I mean, where do you start even? So you start with, with this process of, of genetic editing. Um, but there must be yeah. a whole long process that you need to go through, um, to including, you know, how do you reintroduce it? How do you have, who gives birth to it, I guess, is the
1: most obvious yeah. way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's a very complicated procedure to go through. So we still can't create life where there isn't any. So for animals that have gone and are extinct, we can't reanimate those tissues or those cells to, to you know, completely get that animal back. So what we have to do is we have to look around nature to find an animal that's still alive today that is a close living relative of the Tasmanian tiger. And in our case, it's a very small little mouse-sized marsupial, also a carnivore, um, called a fat-tailed and then once we've, got, we've identified what that animal is, we sequence all of its DNA, we sequence the DNA from our Tasmanian tiger, and then we compare their genomes and we figure out everywhere where their DNA code is different. And then okay. we take our living cells from our, from our fat tail dunnard and we edit in all of those changes. So we're essentially engineering our dunnard genome now to be that of the Tasmanian tiger. And at the end, you're left with the Tasmanian tiger cell But you can then use sort of cloning techniques and IVF techniques to turn that cell back into a whole living animal that we can then look at doing the next step, which you talked about, which is that reintroduction back into the environment
0: remarkable so essentially you're taking a cousin or a small cousin needless to say uh and 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 bring bring bringing the other uh the other cousin back to life so i mean that's a very non-scientific way of putting it um (laughs) what are what are the challenges that still exist i mean you mentioned them already but what are the challenges that stand between you and success right now
1: one of the questions you asked was about the surrogacy so one of the great things about is that they give birth to such tiny, tiny little babies. So they're about the size of a grain of rice when they're born, a Tasmanian tiger, as well as a little mouse sized um, fat tail So one of the great things for us is we could get even our little mouse sized marsupial to be a surrogate mum for a Tasmanian tiger, something that's going to grow as big as a Tasmanian tiger in the end because they give birth to those babies when they're so, so tiny. And also we're able to grow their embryos in culture so they don't actually even need to go into a surrogate if we, if we can you know, get that, that whole process of them growing culture figured out. And so that's really it's a big advantage for bringing back a marsupial. It's much easier to grow something tiny than it is to grow something really big. And so uh, that, that's a really great advantage. There is a lot of DNA editing that needs to be done to turn our donor cell back into that, that Tasmanian tiger genome. But that's where we've just recently partnered with Colossal, a huge biotech company in the US that are really developing and pushing the boundaries of how good we can do those DNA edits and how quickly we can do those DNA edits. So we're confident now in partnership with them that we should be able to, to you know, this will be a much easier task to get all of those edits done to our cell to actually to, to have that, that, you know, starting material to start to bring those whole animals back. What are, I mean,
0: what are the broader implications of this? Because clearly, if this works, um, reintroducing certain animals into an ecosystem where they provided a benefit, uh, both I guess there's both upsides and downsides to that. We don't know what happens when we mess with nature, so to speak. But uh, what yeah. are the broader implications of this when, when you look forward?
1: So I think, you know, a lot of comments we get is that you shouldn't be messing around with nature like this. And I think my argument to that is, well, we certainly mess with nature when we wiped the phylofen out in the first place. We could have started the Tasmanian tiger. And we certainly continue to do it when we remove, you know, massive tracts of habitat. So I would think by trying to restore some of those species, we're really trying to correct some of those wrongs. There isn't DNA in specimens that are more than a couple of million years old, so we don't have to worry about bringing back T-Rexes or Velociraptors or anything like that. Right. So I can, you know... Just sell those rumours that those things are not possible. But for animals, like you said, that have gone recently extinct and played a really important role in an ecosystem, there is a really good uh, you know, imperative, I think, to try and bring these species back. In fact, I think we owe it to those species if it's a human-driven extinction. If we have the ability to bring those animals back, I think we owe it to those animals to try and return them back into those ecosystems. But you have to look at each individual animal and figure out, you know, does it fit the criteria of wanting to do this. So, if it is it a human-driven extinction? Do we have really good DNA resources for that animal, so we can rebuild its genome? And if there's somewhere to put that animal when we bring it back? So, one of the great things with the Tasmanian tiger is, you know, it's only been gone for 86 years. The ecosystem still exists in Tasmania where it lived, and so if we put it back there, it's got that same food network. You know, everything's around to enable it to thrive once again back in that environment.
0: Uh, Andrew, thank you for that because I get to cross out my my question. Jurassic Park fears—that was that was my last question. So I'm going to take that one out now. Um, what's What's really interesting, I guess, about this and reading more about the Tasmanian tiger, tiger is because of it's almost like a controlled experiment because of where it lived and what it is, uh, as opposed to trying yeah. to reintroduce something in a much broader uh, in a much broader geography, for instance. Yeah, having it on
1: an isolated island population is really nice because. It is contained when you release those animals. But there's there's potentially, you know, even conservation benefits of of releasing that animal again on the mainland of Australia. They used to be all over mainland Australia. And, you know, now we have all sorts of issues with indigenous pest species such as rabbits and cats and foxes. And these are all the types of animals that that a Tasmanian tiger would eat. And so they could play, you know, even a role in helping control invasive pest species back on the mainland again one day
0: unfairly targeted back then, perhaps uh, to be seen once again, perhaps Benjamin at the uh, zoo was in Hobart was not the last of its kind. Uh, Andrew Pass, thank you so much. What a fascinating uh, project you're working on. Look forward to catching up and seeing what happens next. Thanks for having me.